0: So does Anna Cirlo, who comes from Italy, did research in Sweden and Paris and then arrived in Southern California to see what our galaxy's black hole was up to. This exuberant astronomer has mega advantages at UCLA, not least that the young woman she's working with scored a Nobel Prize in 2020.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, she just got the Nobel Prize.
0: Andrea Goetz, and what is X7?
1: So we believe that X7 it's a cloud made of dust and gas. And it's particularly interesting because this cloud happens to be very close to the supermassive black hole at the center of our own galaxy. So this gives us the unique chance of observing the evolution of a cloud under the influence of the strong gravitational pull of the black hole. So, what we're seeing is in real time it getting stretched by the tidal forces of the black hole. And so, in the time we've been observing, it doubled its length and is going to be eventually dissipated and stretched completely apart by the black hole. How
0: do you see a body of gas, however big, near a black hole?
1: Well, we have a lot of stuff around our black hole. It's a very crowded area. There are tons of stars. Since this environment is so crowded, what happens is often stars can collide. And they can collide in a bunch of different ways. You can have a big, puffy star that get a close encounter with a more compact star, and some of its material gets stripped away by this encounter. Or you have stars that are what we call binary stars. They are formed in pairs. They are born that way. And so this pair orbit each other, and they orbit the black hole. And because of the presence of the black hole, these two stars can actually get close enough to each other that they eventually merge. And this is a process that is very messy. You shed a lot of gas and dust. And in this process, you can eject some gas that then would look like X7, for example.
0: So now I can understand how you can see it, because here is just a gas of hydrogen.
1: Um,
0: Not too easy to see, I'm not sure, but if it's got dust mixed up as well.
1: You can see both. So depending on how you look at it, we see the dust connected to it, but also the gas. And the reason why we see it is that because you have this many stars, you have a very strong radiation in this region, and this radiation ionizes the gas and makes it visible in the infrared.
0: And you're watching it change now. Doesn't it change over millions of years?
1: Right, the light that comes from the galactic center, takes 26,000 years to arrive to Earth. So when we're seeing in real time, it's actually 26,000 years later, but you know, we do what we can.
0: (laughs) Indeed, but is it changing fast enough for you to notice anything?
1: Yes, that's the cool thing. So everything happened 26,000 years ago. So X7 right now is probably already dead, but we observed this object for about 20 years and we saw it move a lot and also get stretched. It basically doubled in length since we have been observing it and it changed the shape. It started out uh, like a comet a little bit and now it's much more elongated and we are starting to see evidence of being pulled apart. This is very, very striking. There is nothing in this region where we can see such an extreme change in morphology just because X7 is so large, so light and so close to the black hole.
0: What telescope do you use?
1: We use the Keck Observatory. These are twin telescopes that sit on the top of the Mauna Kea Mountains. They are one of the two one of the few largest telescopes in the world that can observe in the infrared lights. We have bigger telescopes observing in the radio just because it's a very different way of observing. But these are segmented mirrors, so it's a mirror of around 10 meters. So you can collect a lot of light and that allows us to look at a lot of details because the larger you're collecting area, the higher your resolution. And these are so very big telescopes equipped with a system called adaptive optics that allows you to observe through the atmosphere. Because on Earth, it's great, you can build very big telescopes, but then you have to look through your atmosphere. And of course, you can avoid that by going into space, but it's very expensive to put a big telescope into space because, I mean, the James Webb telescope, it's amazing, it's the biggest we have ever done, but it's several decades behind in diameter with what we can do on Earth because, of course, it's easier to construct on Earth. Mm. So what this technology does is that you basically use lasers to understand in real time the perturbation of the atmosphere, the blurring due to the atmosphere, and correct it in real time. So this allows you to correct for the effect of the atmosphere.
0: You sound as if you're having fun up there watching these things.
1: I am, yes, I love it. Of course, astronomy makes you dream because you think and you look at the universe, you look at the sky, at the stars and the galaxies, and it's nice. And it's so it makes you dream, but also the day to day work, it's also a lot of fun just to try to get information out of this data, just try to solve the problems. And you're kind of a bit of an investigator as well. You look for clues and then you try to put it together and you try to put a full picture. It's like a puzzle, it's just very, very fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you communicate with your friends uh, your age and say, and do this as well because it's so exciting?
1: Yes, I do that a lot with actually younger people as well when they're still in high school or even younger and then when they ask a good question I tell them we don't know why don't you come do the same thing mm. we do and help us figure it out.
0: <laughs> I hope you continue having fun, thank you.
1: I hope too, thank you very much.
0: Dr. Anacciolo at UCLA doing research on that vast cloud near our black hole.